0: Hello, thank you for joining us for the Seed to Sow podcast. My prayer is that you will be blessed by today's word. A Prescription for Joy A scripture comes from Psalm 126. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter our tongues with songs of joy then it was said among the nations the lord has done great things for them the lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy restore our fortunes lord like streams in the negev those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy those who go out weeping carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them." The writer of Psalm 126 is describing the intense emotional response of the Israelites when they were returned to their homeland after 70 years of captivity, having suffered removal from everything that was familiar and predictable and then having prayed and hoped and looked forward to restoration to their land, the joy and excitement of this group of people upon their return was almost indescribable. The psalmist said, When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. This was not just a return to a physical place. The Lord brought them back to himself in a new way, to Zion. And Zion was a hill in Jerusalem where the temple of the Lord was built. Their deliverance had never been a question of if, but when. The scripture said, when the Lord brought back the captives to Zion. Long before the captives were removed from their homeland, God had planned and promised that their captivity had an expiration date. When you find yourself waiting, anticipating the unfolding of God's plan of deliverance, when you're in the midst of a challenge, in the throes of trouble, you can be sure that God has already scheduled your deliverance. Our future is God's present. And according to Psalm 3 and 8, deliverance comes from the Lord. This 126th psalm gives us a prescription for this commodity, which is the trademark and right and lifeblood of every born again believer joy. For the believer, joy is not just an emotional response, it is not situational, it is not conditional. It does not depend on outer circumstances. It comes from the Spirit of God. It is essential, necessary for our well-being. According to Nehemiah 8 and 10, the joy of the Lord is the sign and source of our strength. Acts 13.52 tells us, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Now about this prescription. I was recently given a prescription for an antibiotic and the doctor was careful and serious as he handed me the written order. Take all of this until it's gone. He said, I want to encourage you to do the same thing with this prescription. Do everything in it. First, if you want to have real joy, remember your captivity. You know, human memory is an interesting thing. Scientists tell us that at times, and as time passes, we sometimes revise our memories. But the writer of Psalm 126 lets us know that the deliverance of the Israelites was almost too good to be true. It was dreamlike because their captivity had been very long and very difficult. When deliverance came, they could hardly believe it. We owe it to ourselves to remember the things God delivered us from. Before we were saved, we were all captive to something. Self-centeredness, addiction, waywardness, disobedience, unhealthy relationships, bitterness, unforgiveness, rebellion, wrong motives, greed, pride, But we don't have to look back on our captivity and remember with regret. Don't regret your captivity because it's possible to remember without regretting. Remember it. Remember the seriousness of your previous condition. Don't minimize the situation. Be honest with yourself about the intensity of your very great need for deliverance. None of this, I wasn't so bad stuff. Be brutally honest and transparent with yourself about how great your need for God was. I was playing with my granddaughter the other day, and she was enjoying being the only little person in the room with me. She took the opportunity to gather all the little dolls and their clothes, and after a few minutes of picking and choosing different little pieces of clothing, she decided to dump the entire basket of toys on the carpet. She looked up at me, I guess, expecting that I would be displeased, but I didn't say anything. Finally, she came over to me and said, can you help me clean this up? This is a mess. Can you admit to what a mess you once were? It's the first step to having real joy because the intensity of our praise and worship and gratitude to God can then begin to match the intensity of our acknowledged great need for God. We can remember without regret because we know that God had to allow some serious stuff to happen to bring us to a place of surrender. Thank God for our failures. Thank God for our challenges. Thank God for those relationships that failed. Each experience was a stepping stone to releasing our supposed control in our lives and allowing God to take the steering wheel. I will never forget the overwhelming sense of relief I felt when I got saved and I stopped trying to make minor repairs and patch up my life. And I surrendered to God's extreme takeover. Hallelujah, he is making masterpieces of the messes we were. Second, if you want to have joy, reaffirm the priority of God's glory. The second part of verse 2 says, Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. Other nations were looking on. They were witnessing up close and personal the miraculous ways God was working to save and lift and deliver his people. You see, it's all about God's glory. It's all about God's reputation. God said in Exodus 14, when it seemed that the Israelites would be overtaken by Pharaoh and his army, God said, Pharaoh will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. I want to tell you a secret. We are all to be focused on the glory God gets out of our lives. And there are some of us who are chosen for God's greater glory. Not because we are so good or special, but because God allows us to experience extraordinary challenges that confirm his confidence in us, that we will endure and persevere and continue to trust him and bring him the greater glory. Charles Spurgeon said, It is a blessed thing when saints set sinners talking about the loving kindness of the Lord. It's all about God's glory. It's all about God's reputation. Whatever our challenges are, whatever our struggles are, the point is that God will be glorified. Others are watching. And by what we experience and how they see us meet our challenges, others will know that he is the Lord. Third, reflect on and expect more of God's supernatural goodness. Verses three through five read, The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. Reflect. On how good God has already been and expect more of his supernatural goodness. The writer Robert Louis Stevenson prayed, We thank thee, Lord, for the glory of the late days. Let us not lose the savor of past mercies and past pleasures, but like the voice of a bird singing in the rain, let grateful memory survive in the hour of darkness. Whatever you're going through, let the glory of the late days be willing to wait for the blessings of the late days and let grateful memories survive. When you stop to reflect on how good God has been already, you can't help but have joy. Some of us have learned to expect the miraculous. We expect miracles because we know we are miracles. Because as it says in Psalm 77, he is the God who performs miracles. Not occasional miracles, not miracles every now and then, but miracles are the norm with our God. We understand that in a moment, In the twinkling of an eye, no matter what things look like, no matter what they feel like, God can turn it around. You see, the Negev was a hot and dry desert area located to the south of Israel. For most of the year, the Negev was a dry and desolate place. But when the rains came, There were times when the rains would flood the dry stream beds rapidly, and in a matter of hours, the streams would overflow their banks. Afterward, in the days and weeks following, the Negev area would be blanketed with abundant greenery, flowers, and natural growth. God desires to overtake and overwhelm and overshadow anything we can think or ask or imagine to not just fill us, but to overflow the banks of our spirits with his spirit. This kind of transformation from cracked dryness of life to one filled and refreshed with the water of God's spirit can only happen by faith, and it results in our joy. Someone has said, He that believes what he does not see shall one day see what he has believed. Finally, if you want to have joy, resolve to be fruitful. Resolve to be fruitful. Verse six says, Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. This verse lets us know there's more than one way to come out of our trials. We can come out empty handed, or we can come out with seed to sow. I learned something interesting about seeds. You see a seed, as tiny as it may be, has three parts. There is the outer coat or the covering. There is the endosperm, which is the source of nutrition inside of the seed. But then most importantly, there is an embryo inside. The embryo carries the potential for new life, for new growth, and for new plants. What am I saying? When in the midst of our trouble, even in our times of weeping, we resolve to be fruitful, to continue to believe God, to continue to serve him, to press through our tears and trials with the determination to continue to carry out the work God has given us. Then we are carrying seed to sow. And when we carry seed to sow, We are carrying the seed of the new thing God wants to birth in us and in the body of Christ. As small as it is, an acorn carries in it the potential to grow towering oak trees. The seed God gives us to carry out of our struggles have the potential to grow us and others. Into towering examples of faith. Make up your mind that you will not exit your trial without carrying your seed the seed of faith, the seed of service, the seed of blessing, the seed of surrender to the Almighty God. Surely you remember the story of how Jacob wrestled with the angel and how he said, as he wrestled, I won't let you go until you bless me. He was wrestling with the angel, but the angel was also wrestling with him. You see, God had decided that he wasn't satisfied with Jacob remaining a spiritual dwarf. God said to him, your name is no longer Jacob. Your name is Israel. You see, when we go out of our trials with seed to sow. The sowing may be with sorrow, but when it's over, the reaping will be with joy. Verse six says, we will return with songs of joy and sheaves. That means we won't come out empty-handed. You see, Songs of joy that this verse talks about are more than melodies that come out of our mouths. A song of joy emanates from deep within our spirits. A song of joy is that song that bursts forth sometimes when you don't even know it's coming. It's that song you don't need music for or an audience for or a choir for. It's the song you sing when you think of God's goodness, how he has made a way and opened doors in your life when he has heard your prayers for your children and your family members, how he has answered your prayers when you cried out in the midnight hour. A song of joy just rises up and you can't help it. You sing, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. You see, Psalm 30, verse 5 says, weeping may endure for a night, but when you come out with seed to sow, joy will come in the morning. Amen. Join us again next week for the Seed to Sow podcast. With Reverend Lisa Weathers Hall. You can also reach us by email at seed to sow ministry at gmail.com. S E E D T O S O W ministry at gmail.com. God bless you.